This evening's reading will be taken from Colossians 4, verses 2 to 18. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Artishkashish, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it's also read in the church of Laodiceans and that you in turn Read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the work you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. This is God's word. Let's pray. Let's pray as we come to this bit of God's word. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, all of your word is written for our instruction. And so this uh, passage, which at first glance has uh, lots of names and confusing bits, we believe that you have given to us in this day for our instruction. We pray that by your spirit you would uh, teach us and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I went to a wedding yesterday and uh, I'm here to tell you that it's sunny up north. So all I've got to say is sunny up north. So we're driving and uh, we're going along and it's raining, raining, raining. Hit the Watford Gap. Perfectly clear. Everything north of there. Come down the other way. Coming down. Clear, clear, clear. Hit the Watford Gap. Raining, raining, raining. I think there's something going on. I think they're having a great time up there and we've just got all of the rain down here and we're going to suffer for the drought because of that. Anyway, that's not what I wanted to tell you. <laughs> the groom uh, was speaking. He did a great speech and halfway through he said this 
uh, he said, turning to the mother of the bride, I want to thank you for the hours and hours and hours that you've put into putting today on. And if you're at a wedding and uh, you're one of those people like me who just turns up unthinkingly and you just start to sort of enjoy everything, you turn up at the church, it's, uh, it's lovely having a great time, you turn up at the reception, there's champagne, that's lovely. It's, suddenly it just stops you in your tracks and you, you think, of course, of course it's absolutely obvious. Putting on a day like today, a brilliant day, it, it takes hours and hours and hours of work. There is an enormous amount that has happened behind the scenes for this to happen today. I mean, it's, it's obvious. Now, why do I say that? Because what we're looking at this evening is, if you like, backstage, behind the scenes, Christian work. And that is really what Christian maturity looks like. Backstage, Christian hard work. And we've been looking at this book of Colossians for the last few weeks, and it's really about, in many ways, Christian maturity what it looks like to grow as a Christian. And if you've been here, we, we know we know what Christian maturity doesn't look like. Paul's spelled that out. It's not about uh, having new experiences or laying down new sets of rules for how you should live, all sorts of regulations. Paul's kicked that into touch. It's not, it's not about that. It's about going deeper into Jesus Christ. That's the heart of what we've seen, going deeper into all that you have in Jesus Christ. That's what Christian maturity looks like. And then in the last few chapters, we've seen what it looks like to serve one another. So we've looked at some of the the roles that the, the Bible would talk about, relationships that we're in. But really, you could still get to the end of that and, and kind of ask, well, what? Do, I wonder what that looks like just in the nitty gritty of life. What does it look like? And I think that's what we get in these last few verses. We get a view backstage. And if you want a thread that sort of runs through these verses, it's it's all about making the most of opportunities to serve other people. I think that's something that just runs through the letter, but I think we see it in these last few verses as well. And so as we see Paul making the most of opportunities to serve the Colossians, as we'll see in these verses, as we see Paul making the most of opportunities to serve the Colossians, so the Colossians are to make the most of opportunities to serve one another, to pray, to be wise in the way they treat outsiders. I think that's how this all holds together. And so if you like, do you remember at the start of Colossians, we met uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who sent a stage He's the Lord of the universe. He holds everything together. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He sustains everything. He's that one. Well, now we get to the end of the letter and backstage, as he is proclaimed to the world, are well, people like, people like Archippus and Paul and Nympha, all of these backstage workers proclaiming Jesus Christ to the world. And that is what mature Christian faith looks like, serving behind the scenes to do that. So, so we'll just pick out three things from these verses. What does it look like then in practice to work backstage, so to speak, for Jesus Christ? Well, pray for openings, redeem the time, fill the work. Let's look at each of those in turn. Praying for openings is a part of what it looks like. Let's pick it up. And if, we're, if you lost your place, we're on page 1184. Let me read from verse 2. Chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer 
being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So here we've got an instruction. Devote yourselves to prayer, or the word means be, be close to prayer, or give your attention to it. Be a close attendant of prayer. Attend to prayer as the instruction. And then you get a uh, participle, a sort of how word. What does that look like? Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So give yourselves to prayer, being, being fully alert uh, in it. Alert to the need for prayer. And you see, there immediately, you've got a helpful comment for us in our prayer lives. It's very easy, isn't it? I don't know if you find it. It's very easy just for our prayer lives, which is an assumed part of the privilege of being a Christian, that we have access to God, the Father, through Jesus Christ. It's very easy within that privilege, just, I don't know, just to occasionally, prayer just becomes occasionally just sort of tipping our hat to God. Lord, I pray that you'd bless that person. I pray that you'd bless that. Please be at work in that. And yet here the picture is one of devotion, giving your time and your energy to things. That's what we do with things that we're devoted to. We, we give our time. We block out time in the diary to do a hobby, play a sport, devoted to it. Think of uh, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. There, there are his disciples, and every so often, where's, where's Jesus? What's it, where, where's Jesus gone? What's he doing? Well, he's praying. He's devoted. He was busy. People were always coming to him, but he was devoted to prayer. Jesus needed to pray. How much more we? And you get a picture of that in these last uh, verses. Verses 12 and 13 of what it looks like to be devoted in prayer. So there's Epaphras who planted the church in Colossae, verse 12, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. So there's a picture of prayer, wrestling. I don't know when the last time you wrestled uh, was. If you've ever done this, some of you may never have done it. It's very hard work. I remember a couple of years ago, I started working in the church here. I met up with one of the apprentices here. Some of you will know him. He wrestles. Uh, we just sort of mucking around, just started wrestling. And basically, he sat on me. That's, that's all he did. He's got no technique at all. He just sat on me. And, uh, and there I was just under this. Just, it's exhausting just trying to wrestle this guy. That's, it's a picture of prayer. Wrestling. Wrestling with something. Exhausting. Engaging and exhausting. Prayer is hard work. That's what Paul is saying. That's what he's saying. Look, I've got this guy, Epaphras, who's the, let me assure you, he is working hard for you. He is wrestling in prayer for you. He's fighting for you that you may stand mature and fully assured. That's what prayer is like. It's hard work. It's hard work. So do you know how hard it is Many of us would how hard it is just to pray for 15 minutes for someone. Just to pray for someone. For, it's hard work. You have to wrestle every thought in your head that is just going off in different directions, thinking about other things that you would be doing. It's hard work. And then when you're focused, wrestling in prayer for someone, it's, it's just exhausting. Just trying to do it just for 15 minutes. Here is Epaphras wrestling 
in prayer. Give yourself to prayer. Be devoted. Now look, I bet we all have good, good Christian, I bet we all have good intentions in this. We long, don't we long to be more like this? And I think, I think this is why Paul says be devoted in prayer, being watchful, being alert, being alert just to how it's, how it's going at the moment in your prayer life. So for me, I've, you know, I've realized as I've looked at this this week that, so I'll, I'll seek, I'll seek each morning to uh, read the Bible and pray. For me, I try and put a, a bit of time aside at another time as well, just to, just to pray, pray for the work, pray for people. And as I looked at my diary this week, I realized that the time that I've, that I sort of had set aside for that, that I would try and block out in the diary, I've just let, I've just let it slip. You know, someone said, well, um, should we meet up for lunch or why don't we meet up then? And it's been in the slot that I, and I've sort of said yes, and it's just become a bit of a habit. I've just said yes. It's just slipped off. It's just slipped away. I, what does it mean for be, me to be alert? The Christian life's full of fresh starts. You get going again. Put it back in the diary this week. Get going again. Devote yourself to prayer. Give yourself. I wonder what that looks like for you. Now, what sort of things does Paul say that they should pray for? Verse 3, pray for us. Verse 3, pray that God would open the door of the prison so that I could be released. He doesn't say that. Kind of what you might expect, actually. Is it, this is Paul. Do you remember at the end he's in chains? You'd think he'd say, pray for the door of the prison to be released so that I can come and, and see you. In fact, the word for door there, it's, it is the same word that you get in a chapter like Acts 16, 26, where they're in prison. And exactly that happened. The doors flung open, the doors of the prison, and off they went. Well, sorry, they, they didn't actually. They stayed in at that point, but they could have. There was an opportunity to go. So what does Paul want most of all? He wants the doors to be open, even while he's in prison, so that he might proclaim the gospel clearly and boldly as he should. That's the heart of what he wants. He wants that sort of a door to open so that he can run through it with the gospel. That's what Paul wants most of all. And so for us, as a church family here, here's the first word to us. Pay attention in prayer. Be devoted. Give yourselves to praying. What does that look like? I, I guess, firstly, that is an attitude shift for us. It's very easy for us to just be devoted to all sorts of things, to busyness, all sorts of things that we could be devoted to as a church family. But Paul is saying, look, be devoted to prayer. In other words, we cannot grow in maturity as a church unless we give our attention to this. We can't grow in maturity as a church unless we do this, unless we are committed to prayer. Because that is expressing our dependence on God. That's how we do it. So together, we mentioned it already, the prayer meeting this week here on a Wednesday evening. Um, and even as Simon said that, I was thinking, it, it is easy, isn't it, for you know, many of us here, Maybe some of us don't need to wear this next comment, but some of us might just need to wear this next comment. And some of us would be very regular on a, on a Sunday, very regular on a KG uh, evening, and then it's prayer meeting week, and we, it's kind of a week off. It's I don't know, it's, it's Orange Wednesday, isn't it? At the same line, you think, oh well, you know, which like, Orange Wednesday wins? But Paul's no, Paul's saying, be devoted to prayer, give yourselves to to prayer. So can I, if that is, you can, could you wear that this week? Join us. As a church family, we seek as a family to say, Lord, we need you. We need you to work. We can't do this without you. 
something of what it looks like for us together. On our own, I don't know what this looks like for you. I've got, I, I've got a terrible memory. This means for me I have to write things down. Now I'm a bit of a stationary weirdo, so the, you know, a brown book like this just does the job for me. You know, it's very satisfying to look at. I like these sort of weird stationary things. But also I just, I can write things in there. I just have a page for the week and I'm just aware of things that are going on. I can just put it in there. It stops. I should use it. I wish I used it more than I, than I did, but it stops me doing nothing. And for all of us, we, we need to think about what does that mean for us? Maybe it just means when we get home, we just, Look at the diary this week and just block out a 15-minute wrestling se- session for us. You know, you say no to something. You say no to TV on a Thursday night. Just to give a bit of time to wrestling in prayer for that issue that's been going around my head for a while. Just say no to one thing this week so that we might give ourselves to prayer. So Paul says, pray that God would open a door for those especially who are proclaiming the gospel. I guess that might look like, especially, we've mentioned it before, adopting a missionary. Just putting aside 15 minutes this week just to pray for those missionaries our group has adopted. To pray for an opening, that there be an open door in New Zealand this week. Let's pray for that. See, there's the first thing. As Paul made the most of opportunities, so we are to devote ourselves to prayer. Here's the second way to work backstage. It's by redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Verse 4, verse 5. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So again, here we have another instruction. Literally, in wisdom, walk before outsiders. And then a participle, a how word, redeeming, literally redeeming the opportunity. So Christians are to make the most of opportunities to point to Jesus Christ. Now let me just pause for a minute and just say, I mean, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here this evening, I wonder how you hear a verse like this. And it talks about outsiders. Now that doesn't mean that you're unwelcome here. You're very welcome here. But it does mean, the Bible would say, that if you're not relying on Jesus Christ for forgiveness, then you are. You are an outsider to a relationship with God. God longs. He longs for you to come into a relationship through Jesus Christ. He longs. But if you wouldn't be trusting in him, the Bible would just put it matter-of-factly. You're outside of a relationship with God. And Christians want to share the good news that there's a way into that relationship. Now, how are Christians to share that? Well, they're to walk in wisdom, making the most of every opportunity. And just see in there just a couple of assumptions for all Christians. Firstly, walking. Uh, in other words, this is sharing our lives. Bible picture for, for walking with someone. So it's sharing our lives over the long term. And secondly, talking. Walking and talking. So talking with people. There'll be verbal, verse 6. There'll be verbal explanation. But it probably is worth saying that there seems to be a bit of a difference between the first bit of the instruction that Paul's talking about, pray for us as we proclaim, and then the second bit, uh, what he's writing to the church in Colossae. So for Paul, the apostle, Paul would go into a city and he would gather a crowd together and he would proclaim. It was direct. 
initiative. And some of us will be involved in doing that. All of us are to be involved in praying for those who have those sorts of openings. But I think the second bit shows us that probably most of us aren't in that situation in our offices. We're we're not. We're not going into our offices and gathering a crowd together and proclaiming. It's probably not how that works for us. And I guess some of us might have a fear of doing this because we think that that's what we've got to do. If we're not doing that, we're not really doing evangelism. But Paul says, actually for us in our offices, we're to go into our offices and our families and we're to, do you see how it works? We're to walk and talk and respond to questions and give answers. That seems to be the pattern that Paul lays out uh, for us. Of course, some will hear that and and, and see the word be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. It'd be very easy, particularly if, I don't know, English caution takes over. You think this just means I have to be overcautious all of the time. I think that's how Paul is thinking of it. Sure, we've got got to mix zeal and tact. We've got to mix both of those together. But when Paul thinks of wisdom, the main idea that he has in mind is redeeming the time. It's the language that he uses. Make the most of the opportunity. Make the most of the season. Some of you remember the, the film years ago now, 1989 apparently, Dead Poet Society. You remember that great film? Great film, Dead Poet Society, an absolute classic. You know, all standing on the desks at the end, I captain my captain, uh, spinning people around, saber-tooth madman, all sorts of uh, great scenes in there. But the best scene, do you remember the best scene? They're all standing looking at the pictures and Robin Williams sort of ghosts up behind them. There's carpe diem, seize the day. Seize carpe diem. Seize the day. Seize the day. That's what Paul's saying here. Don't seize the day. Make the most. Make the most of every opportunity. So don't forget, Paul is in prison here. And he's saying to them, make the most of every opportunity out there in the world. Time is short, he's saying. It's slipping away. Buy it back from just being wasted, just being frittered away. Some of you remember about a year ago, um, some of our mission partners, the the Griffiths were standing up at the front here. And uh, they're speaking about their work in uh, East Asia. And they were talking about some of the things that Christian brothers and sisters go through in North Korea. Many of them in, in prison. And one of the messages, though, as we watched the video, just came across to a number of us just powerfully, was they would give anything give anything for some of the chances that we have out here in freedom just to speak of Jesus Christ. And, and, and they would say to us, in effect, make the most of the opportunities. That's what Paul is saying. I'm in prison. Pray that there be a door for me here. But he's saying to them, redeem the time. Time is slipping away. Redeem the opportunities that you have. So I guess that means for us, you know, those moments in conversation when afterwards you just, you just wish that you'd said that. You just wish you'd said that. Paul says, redeem the time. You don't know when that guy will move on from the office and chance will be gone. Or I say to myself at the moment, I've got a friend who, you know, just for the first time in about 15 years, there's just a little window of openness in his attitude to Christian things. And what I'm saying to myself, Matt, redeem the time. Redeem this season. Maybe a few months. You don't know how long the door will stay open. Redeem the time. How? Well, let your words be like this, says Paul. 
let your words be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. It's hard to tell exactly what, what's going on in the word, the word grace. It's probably, it's probably talking about tone and content. So tone, graciousness. Let there be a graciousness about the way that you speak to people, your demeanor with people. And let, your, let the content be seasoned with salt. So salt, you know what it's like on your food. It just gives it a bit of taste. And back in the day then, it was particularly a preservative to stop you know, meat from rotting. Just cover it in salt. And he's saying, look, you Christians in the world, let your conversation be, be full of grace, graciousness. Let the content just have some salt in it that just preserves the conversation from just always going, you know, back to the, you know, just back to the football all of the time. Just back to the, you, you have something to say. Let your conversation be seasoned with salt. I remember, I remember a number of years ago, I was trying to think of, I remember about 10 years ago, taking a friend to a carol service. And at the end of it, I had a chance to just take him up to, to hear the preacher and just, just chat to him. And, and I, I took that chance to do that. And uh, I remember taking him to hear this um, this preacher, and I don't know quite what I was expecting in the conversation, how it would go, but I was, this is, this is what happened. The, the conversation went like this. The preacher talked to him. They're talking about Christmas, and he um, he found out that the guy was going back to America for Christmas, and he asked why. And a friend said, I'm in a, I'm in a long-distance relationship, and this guy was able to share something of what it was like for him as he had experienced the you know, the highs and the lows of that sort of long-term relationship. My friend who wasn't a Christian was interested that here was a man who, who was making connections like that. And and then just in the course of about a 15-minute conversation at the end, he just, you know, he just gently said, you know, the Bible has a huge amount to say about the complications of relationships. It's a huge amount to say about the com- complications of relationship. And, and God knows actually the best way to run a relationship. I found that in my own life. There was just a real graciousness in the way that he treated this guy and engaged with his life. And my friend at the end came away and said, I'd like to hear that guy again. And I thought that that sort of conversation has a graciousness. He was caring for an individual. Do you see how Paul says that you may know how to answer each one? There was a graciousness in that. But there was, there was some salt in there as well, something of what the Bible would say into that. And as I, as I reflect on that, I think one of the big lessons for me, and I remember this from when I was a teacher, was that I thought like this. I thought that the only way into a, a conversation with someone, one of my colleagues, was, was at Monday morning when I would say, How was your, how's your weekend? And they would say, how was your weekend? And I would mention church and we'd be off. And a little bit later, I'd hope that, you know, maybe I'd explain the whole Christian faith. It didn't always happen like that. And that may, didn't often happen like that, but there may be a way in. But what I forgot and, and what I need reminding of is that actually the, the point of connection that we have, and this is no surprise, is that we're all human beings. We just remind you of that. We are human beings. And we share this world with all sorts of people. But if you're a Christian, you're a human being who knows the God who made this world. And so that is your point of connection, because you can share all of the struggles of life that you have, but you do it as a Christian. You, so you know what it's like. This week, you'll have, uh, you'll have conversations. You'll have chances for conversations uh, with friends, with colleagues. Think of some of the conversations you'll have. Uh, you, like them, will be tempted to you know, do down the boss or the guy on your team who winds up. You'll, have a, you'll be tempted to do that. 
But you're to come with graciousness about that person, seasoned with salt. You, like them, will struggle with days when it's rainy again and you're tired again and you've got a deadline. You're a human being. But you face those things trusting in the God who can sustain you in those. And so your conversation is to be gracious towards people, seasoned with salt. You, like them, read the metro on the way to work. You see all of those things. And your conversation is to be gracious, salty about the things that you're reading about as you reflect on them on the way to work. So there's the second thing. Make the most of every opportunity. Redeeming the time. Time is slipping away. Seize the day. Seize the day. You don't know when the person's going to move. You don't know when the door's going to close. Redeem the time. And here's the third thing. Filling the work. How else do we make the most of opportunities? Well, filling the work. And then we get to this, um, this long last bit with lots of, um, lots of confusing names. And Paul could have ended the letter, I guess, after verse 6. So it could have ended, the book of Colossians could have gone like this. Um, so that you may know how to answer everyone, uh, lots of love and kisses, Paul. That's how the letter could have ended, but it doesn't end like that. It goes on for a bit, but now why? What's, um, what's he doing? Now, if he, had, if he had ended then, we would have known for sure that Paul was concerned about people. We've seen that. No one could have said that Paul was just interested in in dry doctrine. No, it's all about people. We'd have seen that. But if he had ended like that, I guess, what would we have missed? What would we have missed if we didn't have these verses? We'd have missed seeing it earthed in the life of Paul. I think that's what we see in these last verses. We see what it looks like to be a mature Christian, earthed in the life of Paul and those around him. See, this is a bit of a window into the life of Paul. In verses 2 and 5, he teaches us through instruction, commands. In this last bit, I think he teaches us through example. So if you like, what you're looking in on here is basically Paul's email outbox. That's what you've got in front of you, Paul's email outbox um, as he sends it off. And what you see him doing in these verses is exactly what he calls others to do. He's calling other people to make the most of every opportunity to serve people. What do you see him doing? Exactly that. Exactly that in these last verses. And just if you want a handle on how I think it hangs together, in terms of structure, you've got some people who are with Paul, who are sent by him to Colossae. That's verses 7 to 9. Some people are staying with, with Paul, and he's going to tell them what they're doing. And then there's some people who are over in Colossae who he's greeting. And verses 14 to 18. But at each point, at each point in this, Paul's concern is to encourage, is to encourage the Colossians. Uh, So in the first section, uh, Tychicus, verse 8, is sent by Paul. What's he sent by Paul to do? Um, Verse 8. That he may encourage your hearts. Now that we've already seen in um, in chapter 2, verse 2, the exact same phrase. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. That's all that Paul is about. And yet here we see, what does it mean for Paul to do that? It means for him to send Tychicus to them so that he can do that. He knows that that's going to be done through a person. Presumably costly for him not to have his friend around, and yet he knows that's what's needed for them. Or verse uh, verse 10 in in the next bit, people who are staying with him. 
I mean, why tell them of Aristarchus and Mark and Barnabas? Why, why mention them? Well, I guess if you live in, in the world without email and, uh, and, and Twitter, does exist, by the way, that world. Um, if you're living in, in that world, you kind of lose touch with people. You're probably thinking, I, anyone seen Luke? Anyone know, where's Luke? Anyone, have you seen Luke? Have you, I haven't, haven't heard anything about Luke. Anyone, ah, Dr. Luke, Dr. Luke, he's up there. He's up there with Paul, you see. It would have been very encouraging to hear that these other people are going. Or, or Epaphras, the guy who planted the church. Epaphras is busting a gut for you in praise, the founder of the church, but he's not swanning off. He's fighting for you. That would have been a massive encouragement. So what's Paul doing? He's taking the opportunity. He, he almost, he literally takes the pen off the scribe at the end and says, let me do this bit in my own hand. I want to write a word to all of these people to encourage them. That's what Paul is doing. And, and do you notice, what are all of the people that he mentions doing? Well, they're doing the same. They're making the most of every opportunity. That's what Epaphras is doing and others. And so what's he saying to the Colossians? You. You make the most of every opportunity, just like we're doing. You join us in that. That's what Christian maturity looks like. Serve others. See, take the final guy that he mentions in the letter, and we'll, we'll land here, verse 17. Archippus. See to it that you complete the work you've received in the Lord. Literally, see to it that you fill the work, finish the work, that it might be full. Now, why is that a fitting end to the letter? Well, that word full has come up all the way through the book of Colossians. Everyone seems to be looking for fullness. Where is it? It's found in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's lived out in fullness, serving other people. That's what maturity looks like, serving other people. And we don't know what the work that Archippus has to do. We're not told. Presumably it was different to Paul's work and the specifics of that. But it was in the Lord. It was work for Jesus Christ, the King of the universe. And he had given to Archippus from Colossae some work. And Paul is saying to him, see that you finish. Fill out the work that Jesus Christ had given you to do. It was backstage work. It was unremarkable. But in the Lord, it mattered. I wonder if you've heard of uh, this lady, Anne-Marie Ferguson. Anyone heard of Anne-Marie Ferguson? No, not a flicker. It's not a flicker. Anyone heard of Seb Coe, Sebastian Coe? Everyone's heard of Sebastian Coe. Now, what's the difference? Sebastian Coe is the, the front face of the Olympics. Who is Anne-Marie Ferguson? Well, she's uh, one of the electricians on the Olympic side. I looked her up. She's on the Olympic website under the sort of real-life stories of people who are making a difference in, uh, in the Olympic park as we sit here. She's an, she's an electrician. Now, what does it mean for her in the next few weeks and months to do her job? Well, I imagine she's fixing fuses. And she could think of it in this way. I, desperate, I really hope that on the 27th of July in the opening ceremony that as we push the, the, the first button i don't understand electrics but you know, as we push the first button that it won't all go be in it we could think of it that way what would it mean for her to dream and to fill the work i guess it would mean i guess it would mean that you know just to bust a gut in the next few weeks and months so that on the 27th of july when the opening ceremony starts and everything is revealed that she is part of putting on, I don't know, the best opening ceremony, the best light display that there's ever been at an opening ceremony. That's what it means for her to fill the work. I bet she's out there now. Good on her. Good.
good on her. Right? They're up a ladder probably as we sit here. Anne-Marie Ferguson. Anne-Marie Ferguson. Fill the work. That's what he's saying. Archippus from Colossae, fill the work. You and I f- follow the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who finished the work of putting on heaven. But you and I also are given work to do. Work to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's different from person to person, but it's all in Jesus Christ. And on the last day, it will all matter. It will all be revealed. And so the message for us, just like for this guy Archippus and for those in Colossae, was fill the work. So can I say to you, fill the work. Fill the work that the Lord has given you. Some of you will be caring for those in your KG group and it's got to April and you're just tired. Fill the work. Fill the work for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him. Others of us, we're going to work and there are just conversations to be had. The work, the Lord, fill the work. Others of us, just to pray for that person in the office or that family member or that missionary. And you know what? You may be the only person in the world praying for that person. You may be. Fill the work. Fill the work for Jesus Christ. That might look like in prayer, just you know, doing this this week, just rolling up your sleeves, rolling up your sleeves and saying, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to fill the work that the Lord Jesus has given me to do for him or for her. That's what Christian maturity is. It's backstage work. Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe. It's what we've seen in Colossians. Fullness is found in him. And if you like, there's a one-line email from the God of the universe through Paul to a guy like Archippus and out to us, and it's this. See to it that you fill out the work that you've received in the Lord. Tell Matt from Watford. Tell Samantha from Southampton. Tell Andrew from Aldershot. See to it that you complete the work that the Lord has given you. It's what Christian maturity looks like, serving other people. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this uh, letter that you've preserved for us down the years. Thank you for the way that it shows us that fullness is found in your Son. Please help us to grow in him, to go deeper into all that we have in him. And as we do that, to serve others, to take the opportunities that you give us behind the scenes, backstage, to serve others for your sake. Amen.